0: Hey everybody, it's your big, strong, face-punching bruiser, Holden
2: McNeely. And it is I, your long-range attacking mystical wizard. All right. I attack from a distance. Oh,
0: please, with your zoning. Please
2: don't melee attack me. I have very little armor.
0: And today, we are doing an episode on...
2: Okay, I got next. Uh, No, I got next. I put the quarters on the board, bro. No, but dude, first of all, I was here before you.
0: You can't even sure you can.
2: What I can sure you can, it just comes out as a Hadouken, I faked you out because you think I'm going to sure you can. More like Hadouki-kin, that's right, I just called your kin shit. At least I don't do the bird kicks like a fucking asshole, cheap fucking guile playing. You know what, I don't even want to do this
0: episode anymore, (laughs) alright? Welcome everybody to our episode on- Fuck this,
2: I'm playing (laughs) skee-ball. I'm going to earn a plastic spider ring. (laughs)
0: On street- Fighter uh uh the everything. series. <laughs> Street Fighter, everything. A lot of today is going to be Street Fighter 2 because that is just such a monumental moment in, in in the franchise's history. Um uh this is definitely already uh we know is going to be a two parter, so there is that. Um so uh yeah, we were I was barely able to just get through, you know the alpha we may get to alpha we may get to the alphas in this episode i know many people are excited the the patreon poll was just enthusiastically <laughs> voted on for this title and i thank you um everybody who voted for this everybody who came out and said holden people call me on the phone and be like i found your number i mm-hmm. i found your parents house i call <laughs> i i went to them i knocked on their door i got your number so that i could call you and just say can we please get a street fighter episode and i was like look I'm trying. Jake just wants to do, you know, Jake wants to do an episode on Mad Cats.
2: And I'm like, seriously? Before Street Fighter? We, if we, I mean, I finally got my dream to do the Mountain Dew Doritos episode. That so it's only fair. Honestly, I mean, the people, the people w- voted for it because they knew that it was going to be a fun and entertaining episode. For some reason, Street Fighter didn't get people motivated the same way. <laughs> for some
0: reason. I, I, all right. So, I mean, let just i feel like i could talk for an hour about like my history with street fighter now we always talk about like sort of our our personal experience with with the games Mm -hmm. um so uh i'll try to start on that one i wasn't like a big fighting game boy if anything i was a mortal Kombat kid back in the day i was a sega kid Mm -hmm. uh sega genesis had the cool blood that super nintendo didn't have um, I definitely rented Street Fighter Two on Sega Genesis at one point. I definitely like played it at a friend's house on their Super Nintendo, but it didn't really quite kick a uh, uh, click, rather, and ha, <laughs> pun intended, uh, because of kicking um happens in the game. Jake, <laughs> it didn't quite click until I got to um more high school Dragon Ball years. I started playing Alpha Two. Actually, I started really? playing Alpha Two. I started playing Third Strike. I believe is the game. Is the, that people really like Third Strike 2, And we'll yeah. eventually get into that. Um, and also Alpha Three on my buddy, my buddy's Dreamcast. He was a big Akuma player. All he cared about was getting that. Um, that demon rage uh, <laughs> move down, which was like super hard back in the day to do and would take like so much of your life. And I got really into playing Ryu. Um, and it's funny though. My Ryu was a little different. My Ryu was like a jumping fireball Ryu. Cause I was playing like the oh, alphas yeah, and yeah. stuff. Um, and then I it wasn't until college when I got an emulator and I started playing a bunch of different like Super Nintendo games and stuff. And I re uh, I downloaded Street Fighter Two. There was no. By the way, I still have yet to find a good ROM for Alpha Two. I haven't looked in years, but I could for the life of me, I could not find a good ROM for Alpha Two. Uh, so I ended up getting Street Fighter Two Turbo, probably um, uh, like the the console version. And I got really into it in the weirdest way. I got into it using my. I didn't have a controller oh, for my for my uh, PC, so I got really into it on my keyboard, I learned how to do the Hadouken, Shuriken, everything using my directional buttons on my keyboard, which was like a real interesting kind of tippy tap flow <laughs> that it had it had to it. And I got really into it, and I beat the game on every skill level. Still, I never, I didn't really get into it competitively at all back then uh, versus real people because again, I was just playing this game uh, at home. It was just like a thing. I chain smoke cigarettes and play Street Fighter Two. Um,
2: I mean, there are, uh, the the it's actually kind of funny that as we get older, there's probably going to be more people competing at Evo with keyboards and stuff because of the prevalence of like piracy and ROMs. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even back in the day, the idea that people are in you know competing com- or competitive with uh, just a regular gamepad is like kind of broke boundaries.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
2: so like the way you interacted with these games is. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of amazing how the form evolved and it really <laughs> can, and if, once we get into it, the idea that the original control scheme for these games was so imprecise and dumb, uh-huh. uh, huh. it's, it's going to be fascinating, but, uh, so, so
0: then at years later, um, and I know I'm forgetting stuff because I remember I did think that when Street Fighter 3 came out, it was a big deal. I remember that, um, Uh, years before it wasn't until i I picked up street fighter 4 i i I wasn't an online boy until kind of recently like i wasn't really playing games online against other people or with other people until very much more recently the division was like the first game i really played online
2: what an odd entry point
0: (laughs) i know right it was really like Like, uh, yeah, I was mostly a solo, you know, player, and I liked fighting games, but um, I wasn't really like they didn't have a lot of like play life for Mm -hmm. me, you know. I would really enjoy them, but I didn't really have like a buddy to play with since high school, you Mm -hmm. know, since my buddy Pat or whatever at at his place, like going back and forth. So um, I got I got like the Ultra Street Fighter Four on my 360, which I got like years late. I was like like at the very end of its life cycle. I enjoyed uh street fighter four. I thought it was super fun, but it wasn't like anything super serious. And it wasn't until recently with street fighter five, funnily enough. Cause even though that game gets a lot of flack that I got a fight stick, I got really into like fighting competitively. I feel bad right now. Cause I've been like playing too much monster hunter. Um, <laughs> It's you still- win, Capcom. Yeah, you Capcom win. still gets your money. You're exactly. fine. So, um, but I'm getting, uh, I'm ready to uh, get back into the competitive uh, scene and, and all that good stuff. But anyways, it's like Street Fighter, but ha- though has just always been there. It's just always been there, like in, in my life, I feel like. And it's something that I didn't realize till I got back into Fighters with Street Fighter V. Just how much it's actually come in and out of my life since it hit the Sega Genesis and the Super Nintendo back in '93, I believe '92. '92. Um. So yeah, Jake, what about yourself?
2: Um, doing the research for this, it immediately took me back to the the golden years of arcades, of game rooms at hotels, of like little lobby machines at the yes, movie theater for sure. Um, the the uh, the simplicity. Of what Street Fighter II did for uh, in the world gaming, Uh, you know, uh, how it brought people out of their homes and into like physical arcades, which were suffering at the time. Mm -hmm. And it was just this inescapable thing, kind of like the pinball machine over at the bar. There was just always going to be a Street Fighter II cabinet somewhere within a block vicinity of you and
0: i will tell you what to this day if i walk the last time it happened was a bowling alley in um uh austin texas i believe if i see a a street fighter 2 cabinet i will fucking uh put a quarter in and play it play a couple rounds like to this day like i in fact i think now thinking back thinking on it now and ask me in, you know, five years, ten years, I might say something different. But if I were to have a cabinet in my home at some point, I'm pretty sure if I had to have to choose one, it will be Street Fighter 2. I'm pretty certain. Do you have one?
2: <laughs> do I have a cabinet at home?
0: If the, no, no, if you were to choose one arcade cabinet to put in your house, um, assuming you live in a house mm. and you have a, <laughs> a basement or something you can put it in, um, what cabinet would you get? Do you Do you know?
2: I never had to think about that question. Think about
0: it. Maybe we'll talk about it right. uh, on a bonus episode. So let's get into it. Um, I think in order to tell the story, I want to give a brief history of Capcom because actually the um, the the man of, of Street Fighter, uh, Takashi Nishiyama... Um, he actually is kind of um, ingrained in the background of Capcom and in the in the companies that existed before Capcom that led up to Capcom. So here it is, okay? Yeah,
2: I'd, I'd be very wary of naming one guy as a Street Fighter guy.
0: I'm not talking about Street Fighter 2. I'm talking about the first— sh- Arguably really shitty Street Fighter Okay <laughs> by the way let me make that clear I'm talking about the guy that, that You know what
2: screw the arguably qualifier Yeah if yeah you there's are, no
0: arguable it's a find, bad game
2: Find us Street Fighter 1 <laughs> fan Come into my life In the verse, Wield a weapon and really Get in my face it about is, the is, untold is, Virtues of it Street is, Fighter 1 It is a
0: garbage game so so. Um. But uh, the man who made that Game went on to make some other games That weren't so bad and, and made some some pretty good games before that but there you go here it is first there is kinzo sujimoto and a store that he opened up in osaka in 1969 to sell cotton candy machines <laughs> he started uh, also making pachinko machines about a year later in 1970 and this store gets successful he's creating machines that to, to put in other other locations um, the store's success leads to the creation of IPM Co. Limited, um, which stands for International Playing Machine. And he starts to make, sell, and rent arcade cabinets. And he partners up with Nanao Corporation to make CRT monitors for their arcade cabinets. Now they're now they're getting more and more steeped in. And they start they say, hey, why don't we make our own video game? So they come out with IPM Invader, a total Space Invaders <laughs> clone. This comes out in 1978, and they change their name to the Irem Corporation. Do you know why? No, I actually don't. Because IPM sounds a whole lot like IBM, oh. and so they decided maybe they shouldn't be sound ex- like be incredibly easily confused with the that gargantuan computer uh, uh, companies. I mean,
2: I, I'm I you're I didn't actually get into this research, but mm-hmm. I find it highly uh, suspicious that this might be the only time that a Japanese company was actually cautious about being a knockoff of something else. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh,
0: IRUM Corporation stands for International Rental Electronics Machines. Um, uh, while uh, while uh, Tsujimoto is a chairman at IRAM, uh, he establishes another corporation, IRM Corporation, uh, in 1979. He is fired from... Uh, uh, irum corporation by the uh and replaced by the president of the nanao co. and it's uh, blamed because he was blamed for bad video game sales which is kind of funny because he goes on with irm uh to manufacture and di- distribute game machines and uh he there was uh, there was a uh, subsidiary uh named japan capsule computers co japan capsule computers co do you see where this is heading
2: J.C. Oh, Cap. Uh,
0: There you go. So uh, the two companies have a main name change. They changed their name to Zombie Co. Limited in 1981, (laughs) but then the Capcom Co. Limited is established in 1983 and took over their sales uh, internal sales department. Zombie and Capcom eventually merge, resulting in the Capcom we know today. And Capcom, of course, a, a, a mishmash of capsule computers. They developed that term within their company to refer to their specific arcade machines um, because they wanted to set themselves apart from personal computers. They called themselves capsule computers. Um, they, they called it refer to it as a capsule packed to the brim with gaming fun. Their first game, <laughs> I know right, their first game is called Little League, but it's a coin operated machine, not really a video game. It's one of those like more mechanical kind of games. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, um, like, super old school. I may have played one of these. I played a game like this at a super old arcade back at the um, beach that I used to vacation mm-hmm. with my family in North Carolina. They had the fucking raddest arcade. You could smoke in it. It was that real arcade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were yeah. big kids. It was scary. <laughs> yeah. It was, like, dangerous to go there at night, you know? It was really hot. There was just fans, you know, on stands. Yeah, Like, yeah. that was it. You're just, like, sweating and playing these games exposed
2: incandescent bulbs yes
0: oh it was so good dude and they had um they had a game like that they had street fighter 2 they had all like they had all the real the real shit it was really tiny and shitty and gross and and my favorite arcade i ever have been to um uh so anyways uh they have their first video game to come out is called volgus in 1984 Um, Their first home console game, though, is 1942 for the NES. Now we're starting to hear of games we actually remember and know. You remember 1942? Yeah, yeah. That's in 1985.
2: I mean, uh, their first—I mean, 1942 was an arcade port. We all, as we covered in our, uh, in previous episode, their mm-hmm. first original console game was a little title called Mergamer. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had a stroke. Mega Man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, at this point now they're making video games and they're called Capcom. That's the, that's just my, I just want to paint, paint that picture. Tell the story of the road that we got from cotton candy machines to street fighter two. <laughs> that is, that is the story I just told you all. So, This is when Street Fighter is made, and um, it essentially uh, comes down to this. Like, what I really loved reading about and learning about is um, that they had three different development groups. They called them planning rooms. There was no, like, real science to this at this point, in other words. Like, there's just – they're just starting to kind of figure things out, and they're starting to say, okay, we're going to have – uh three different rooms here. One is uh Tokoro Fujiwara uh led uh planning room and that is uh the makers of Ghosts and Goblins, Bionic Commando, Mega Man, and then you've got Takashi Nishiyama, Street Fighter, and Yoshiki Okamoto, who is working on Final Fight. And would go on to work on Street Fighter 2. We're about to talk about mm-hmm. him quite a fucking bit. He is a character, dude. Yeah,
2: this is uh, one of the things that I really want to get into uh, is how previously we've talked about how in um, Western – got to stop referring to old episodes. It's just we've spent over a year getting into this shit. Yeah. Uh, so if you're a long-time listener, thank you for bearing with us. And if you're a new listener, we got hours of bullshit. <laughs> fucking download everything. Um so how like all the Western developers and uh, that we've been talking about mm-hmm. were all these like just drunk frat guys with too much money who would just like party all the time and all like the Japanese developers were a bit more staid and conservative. Uh, the Street Fighter team is pretty rollicking. Pretty it's just fun. a real assembly of weirdos. There's some really... that they managed to like kind of corral together through various uh, like just ha- serendipity to get them in the same room working on this. There's stuff.
0: some rad fucking stories coming out or uh, coming up soon. I'm just going to, I'm going to say mm. this like multiple times. Uh, a lot of the street fighter two, II- Discussion we're going to be having. We're not quite there yet, but a lot of it is from this Polygon article and oral history of Street Fighter Two. very much like how we pulled a lot of things from the oral history of Final Fantasy Seven for that episode, uh, that two-parter.
2: I'll uh, have you know, I did a lot of independent research and sought independent sources and looked for other uh I also looked on Wikipedia. And, and all of them... Uh, just ended up repeating shit that was in the Polygon article because it's, it's really so the best. It's <laughs> so
0: comprehensive and amazing, and we're only going to cover some of it. I highly, yeah. highly advise you to, uh, after, as, as soon as this is done, go read that article. It's fucking great. I've been loving it. I've been reading that a lot of it. So, uh,
2: Oh, so uh, Takashi Nishiyama.
0: Yes, Takashi uh, Nishiyama.
2: Uh, was working for Capcom, and he uh, clearly has some like big... Uh, 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 Influences and kind of fun themes that he likes to work on. Uh, before he worked at Capcom and started uh, creating Street Fighter One, he made uh, what we know in America as Kung Fu or Kung Fu Master, mm-hmm. uh, also known as Spartan X in Japan. I
0: totally played the hell out of that. I played on my the fuck Apple out of too, dude. Yeah. yes, so I couldn't believe it. I saw the pictures for it and I was like, "Oh my god, Kung Fu Master!" I played that game like crazy. <laughs> it was like one of the first uh, beat 'em ups ever. Um, it's it starred a kung fu master named Thomas. <laughs>
2: I mean, it was, a, it was a weird Jackie Chan licensed tie-in thing.
0: He also made, by the way, okay, so this is him working, by the way, for Irem. That's why I kind of, part of why I wanted to tell that story. Because Nishiyama starts out working for Irem before we even get to Capcom. And that's where he makes um, Kung Fu Master. Also, Moon Patrol, which was a side scroller. And it's the first time they actually created uh, uh, introduced parallax, parallax scrolling yeah. into the genre. Do you want to explain that or do you want me to? Uh,
2: it's It's a very simple graphics technique um which in on older systems took a lot of like finagling and then like by the time we got to the 16-bit era it was a bit more um uh, uh easier to pull off but the idea is to create the illusion of depth you have uh two or more layers moving through the background at different speeds so uh imagine like a city skyline moving through uh moving left to right and then further back there's a um a different sprite layer with like a large mountain range and it's moving just a little bit slower and it kind of it it very our, our eyes are very keen to like read that as real depth and motion that it functions uh very similarly to how we perceive the world and with static backgrounds it's very hard to pull off so it takes some some kung fu uh that's racist that's probably racist we made kung fu so back at you you're racist for thinking i was racist
0: it take, you just it, had a real battle there within yourself.
2: You it's, just, it's a war I wage every day <laughs> as the last proud white man.
0: <laughs> you're the last proud. I don't think you're the last proud I white man. Every,
2: all you other pretenders.
0: <laughs> all right. Just put it in your album that you're coming out with later this year. Your, Race
2: Wars with Jakey. Your um,
0: neo-folk album that you're coming out
2: with. Anyway, um, uh, so the themes of like a lone warrior, a trained karate master, um, the inter- moon patroller. <laughs> oh, even moon patrol is about managing uh, incoming threats high and low. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he settles on this realistic combat kind of uh, game where it's about like uh, where he wants to, he wants to simulate like a real martial arts fight. Mm-hmm. And the idea he settles on is that uh, a, he wants a pressure pad. He wants something that the, the player can interact with so that how hard they hit the pad corresponds with how hard your character will hit the opponent.
0: So you have three different hits you could possibly do, and that is a light, a medium, and a heavy hit. You've got two giant... Look up a picture of this. It's so amazing looking. You have a giant a giant red button mm-hmm. and a giant blue button. They're not but button- they're big pads, right? Yeah. next to a um analog uh, uh, a joystick. Yeah. And so the player in the arcade would bash down on the pad in order to attack, and the harder they hit it, the harder um, they would um, uh, hit in the game. Now, uh, wouldn't
2: The Atari, they actually uh, subcontracted the design of this, uh, what do I call this, uh, uh, apparatus, uh, 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 gadget, this this unheard of thing.
0: Hand herder,
2: yeah. (laughs) uh, To Atari, and Atari thought that the Japanese developers uh, had kind of fudged the numbers on like how the uh, tolerances on the pad would work because you know these were guys that uh kind of had a lot of experience with the amount of uh, uh, uh punishment that an arcade cabinet takes in the wild so they upped the um the the forces necessary to uh make the pads go uh this didn't quite work because uh the the mechanism that would uh the mechanism that would like kind of dampen the uh, the amount of force entering the machine Uh, if you hit it really hard and fast uh, it wouldn't react enough quickly enough (laughs) to your hand so it would just you would just be like slamming your fist and it wouldn't give (laughs) so people were hurting the fuck out of their hands (laughs) yeah this is the worst idea of all time no it was a good idea but then I I, this is my version that I said Atari (laughs) <laughs> uh, like made it made it too stiff so oh, that okay. you hit it and it wouldn't give quickly enough.
0: I still think that if you, you- broke your hand. Yeah, you're going to hurt your hand yeah. no matter what, even if it had more padding. Uh, I mean, it just seems like a- ba- Especially f- equipment in the 1970s, you know? I mean, just think about that. Like, um, Or when it, Street 80s. Fighter actually came out, what, in um 1987? Yeah, and still, I don't trust anything. I don't trust anything now, much less- also, ago. just like
2: just I know buttons are already, but you can at least like you know wipe down the plastic buttons on a on an arcade cabinet. This was just like a sticky rubber sealed thing. Yes.
0: Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not good. It's not good. Don't try it at home, kids. So you play as Ryu in single player. If an opponent joins into the game, you enter as Ken in versus mode. Uh, If Ken wins the match, Ken can continue on as Ken in the single player. But those are your only two options... For the single player game in terms of player characters you've got um uh they decided to uh, put the game out in a different form once the pad thing really uh uh was an issue let's just call it and the, they put it out with um th- uh, three buttons light medium and heavy for kick and for punch and um you have three round matches with a 30 second time limit and this guy, the three-round matches in 30-second time limit were actually has already been established before in some other very early forms of fighting games. Mm-hmm. So that's not completely new or unique necessarily. Um, and uh, you also had um, a few special moves. And I love this aspect of the game. There was Psycho Fire, <laughs> a.k.a. Surge Fist, a.k.a. Hadouken, Or the Dragon Punch, aka Rising Dragon Fist, aka Shuryuken, that we all know today. Hurricane Kick, aka Tornado Whirlwind Kick, aka Tatsu, rather, Tatsumaki Senpu Kyaku. And of course, these are moves that are still. I'm doing I am yeah. literally doing these moves constantly all the time and when I play Street Fighter 5 uh, as uh, my main uh, kuma and uh, these moves uh, were not um, given to the player in any way Now I, I remember at least on Street Fighter 2 that you could see on the cabinet itself they would kind of show you the special moves and what you needed to do. These were in no way communicated to the player. These were secrets that the player had to discover a part of arcade tradition that um, I really miss, you know, just, just that mystery, and, oh, my God, you can. Th- there's a way to do these moves, and I didn't even know they existed. Um, they, this is the first game that ever used the concept of special moves. The Hadouken, it actually is credited to the 1970s anime Space Battleship Yamato. I believe we must have mentioned this in the Neon Genesis episode because it is Hideaki Anno's favorite mm-hmm. anime, uh, inspired uh, his whole interest in the genre it's also the the anime that marks uh, uh, a turn towards more complex storylines it's about a crew on earth boarding a giant spaceship warship uh called yamato uh, yamato uh, including uh, protagonist susumu kyodai and they search for a planet iskandar uh to reverse damage done to their planets. and um but the they, starship
2: had uh, a kind of a desperation move where it would overcharge its cannons mm-hmm. and once enough charge had built up it would release this big fuck you energy
0: beam. yep big missile beam called haduho mm. and that is actually where he uh, uh credits the concept for ryu and kin ryu and kin Totally have the same move set. Mm-hmm. No difference between the two of them in this game. It's it really doesn't matter. It's literally just a skin, by the way.
2: It's it, uh the thing about the Hadouken that really messed me up is I had to go back and double check uh whether or not Dragon Ball had done the Kamehameha first. Mm-hmm. And it was a, it was like it was like a very. It was 1986, I think, when Dragon Ball finally like came out and had a story where they learned oh, the uh, Kamehameha.
0: Interesting.
2: But like the hand motion is exactly the same. Yeah. The Hadouken's more of a fireball. It, it is. It is a fireball. We're not playing Marvel vs. Capcom. Yeah. Um, and uh, the Kamehameha is like definitely more of a beam. But it is, you know, you do the open palms, the fingers curled in, and there's like an energy ball that comes out, so... And they already admitted um, the devs admit that a lot of anime influenced them. So I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hold down. I I
0: saw nothing in what I read that it was inspired by it. But yeah, I mean, it's a pretty like in your face uh, uh, connection there. I think so. uh, Wanted to briefly go through the cast of characters in this one. Talk about some of that because we're gonna have these characters come back in later games. Um, And and it's also just this is fascinating to me learning about street like street fighter 2 is, uh, is, is i can't wait to get into it it's amazing just all, all the history of it but it's just so in- interesting to me to see where this all came from and just to see when when legacy series like these the things that existed in the very first mm. game is always so interesting to me the things that they just stuck with through through thick and thin such as the brick breaking and table breaking mini games that exist in the first one that carries through with different mini games in the future including specifically break breaking um the characters there's um and Ken, of course there is uh geki retsu joe and mike um among among others so we've got the uh, so so there's the country of origin thing mm. actually we should establish that that existed in the very first game you've got Japan US China England um, and then you go to Thailand for the final two bosses um, so in Japan it's Geki and Retsu Geki is a claw wielding ninja it's similar in look uh, to Vega um, and that is a character that will I th- I believe that character comes back I'm Rets- sorry, are you referring
2: to Balrog? <laughs> Balrog uh, the, oh, I'm referencing how their names got
0: switched. <laughs> oh, okay. You know yeah.
2: what? For to, to ease confusion, let's refer to them by their tournament names, Boxer, The Claw, and Dictator.
0: <laughs> uh, Retsu um, ball, is a bald warrior uh, connected in the lore of later games. He'll come back later just for that. Mike, a heavyweight boxer, clearly Mike Tyson— Definitely going to be Balrog in the next game. Joe, a kickboxer based on the legend of the sport. Joe Lewis, um, gives off a lot of cammy vibes. Mm -hmm. I feel like that character, um, just from appearance and everything. Um, in China, we've got Lee, which is like kind of a drunken master type, uh, sort of um, Jin, an elderly assassin that you definitely, if you've played through the series, you remember Jin. He existed in the very first game. Appears in the the Alpha games in Street Fighter Four. Um, in England, it was hilarious. I was like joking around because uh, they come in the arcade edition of Street Fighter Five. You can play through a different um, representation of kind of each different game. And for the first one, birdie was on the roster. I was like, how the fuck is birdie on this fucking (laughs) roster? And they were like, dude, he is in the very first street fighter and I was yeah. I could not believe it. He is a bouncer wrestler. He appears in the Alpha games in Street Fighter 5 like I just said. Um Eagle is a club wielding bodyguard and he appears in Alpha 3 later on.
2: It's amazing within these tournaments that just some guys get to have a weapon.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then you play through um uh and then you fight against uh Aidan in Thailand. Ad- Aiden or a- Adon?
2: I always said Aidan, but
0: uh he, he, he's in the alpha games he's in street fighter 4 if you look at a picture of him you probably recognize him and of course uh in in the first, well actually maybe not of course because you would think it would be bison but it's actually sagat is the final boss of the very first game
2: oh that's super like that's a key moment in lore is sagat at the end of street fighter 1 right yeah and then, uh, you know, obviously, uh, he loses to, to Ryu, and then Ryu awakens his Setsu no Hado, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just <laughs> babbling. It's fine.
0: He is, so Sagat is really the one, is Sagat not in a game, in a Street Fighter? Is Sagat the one constant besides uh, Ryu and Ken?
2: Was he in Alpha? Did he make it to Alpha by the I'm end? pretty sure. Okay.
0: I'll have to check. Oh, uh, no, we'll find in out.
2: three. Three is when they brought in all the new guys. That's yes. what I was thinking.
0: Yeah. Um, um, the emperor of my Thai, Mai uh the uh, uh, the 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 main man himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, this game.
2: Muay Thai is always the scariest martial art in Japanese uh, fighting uh, stories, because Thailand is like kind of close. It's it's evolved like the pan Asian martial arts like Japan and karate and all the other stuff is like kind of performative and kind of like about self-discipline. And Muay Thai is like, nah, kill a guy with your elbow. We found this orphan. We just bashed his elbows every day of his life.
0: <laughs> um, so that is the game. It does not do that great. It's kind of surprising that it ever got a sequel
2: in the first place. Oh, uh, uh, one last thing mm-hmm. about uh, the char- all these characters in Street Fighter One. Uh, art designed by K.G. Inafune.
0: Oh, the Mega
2: Man slash
0: that's right. I think I defeated,
2: have lost, broken, mighty number nine creator. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No shit. So, yeah. so he really lays out the create, the, the, the Mega Man guy lays down the foundations <laughs> of a lot of, you know, the character design kind of moving forward, um, uh, in Street Fighter. It's kind of wild. And uh, so th- I thought one of the most interesting thing was uh, Nishiyama and uh, Matsumoto, who also um, produced the game, they leave after this game to work for SNK, where they go on to create the Fatal Fury franchise. So actually, the creators of the first Street Fighter game move on and end up creating this like other big legacy uh, fighting game series, and um, they work on Art of Fighting and King of Fighters. Don't and- worry,
2: guys. We created a sequel to Street Fighter. No need to... Th- oh, no.
0: <laughs> um, but so, yeah. Uh, uh,
2: yeah in interviews uh nishiyama kind of talks about how um snk and capcom were both uh the offices were both based out of osaka and the teams would often like kind of switch over uh between the two and how he didn't consider them rival companies they were all part of a greater japanese uh fighting game development community mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. the fact that SNK has gone through multiple bankruptcies and uh, has had to get bailed out by Capcom a couple of times, maybe has something to do with that. Hmm.
0: Uh, So that brings us to, I think, the main event of this episode, and that is Street Fighter II, the World Warrior, and a man who we mentioned previously, and uh, now we're going to kind of jump into a little bit harder, Yoshiki Okamoto. Uh, Yoshiki Okamoto. um,
2: The bad boy of... Fist him up. He
0: seems like a real crazy, wacky, uh, wacky guy. Uh, he started out working for Konami. Mm-hmm. He created Time Pilot in 1982. Um, he was fired because <laughs> he was told to make a driving game. Time Pilot is not a driving game. No,
2: it's a uh, aerial shooter. <laughs>
0: he also loves to tell people that he got fired from <laughs> Konami. I'm not really sure why. just adds to his... Uh, 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 eccentricities. He moves over to Capcom in 1984 and he's a director of games such as uh, 1942, Gunsmoke and Forgotten Worlds. It's the Forgotten Worlds project that really is when he forms his team that would go on to um create Street Fighter 2. Um he he uh he's a prankster. Uh my favorite story was like to the Capcom USA guy Um, that's in the, uh, Polygon article a lot. He, he sent him a disc or whatever, uh, uh, some kind like, yeah, I think a disc. Then he was like, here's the demo for the new street fighter game. Just check it out. And I guess he had some friends with him in the office that are some clients that he thought might be interested. And so we put it on and it was porn. Mm-hmm. And he loved to do stuff like that. There was a person who fell asleep in his one of the the meetings
2: because, as is the custom, everybody working on Street Fighter Two was dr- horrifically overworked to the bone.
0: Exactly. So Okamoto had everybody close all the blinds and set the clocks to three a.m. and, and then leave le- the room.
2: <laughs> And so that so when he woke up, he thought, he thought it was
0: 3 in the morning. The same American guy that I just talked about, the sales guy, when he was visiting Japan, they kept telling him they were going to take him to this, like, prostitution um, section of Tokyo to, like, go go crazy, you know, whatever. And um, they, he was like, no, 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 we don't need to do that. We don't need to do that. I don't want to go. And they, like, drag him to this place, and it ended up being Euro Disney. Um, just a bunch of really fun Uh, kind of stories like that. He also um, pulls in Akira Yasuda, a character designer, maybe stranger than Okamoto. Oh, are you going
2: to read uh, this? the the milk thing? Yes, I am going to
0: read the milk quote. How did you know that was the one quote I pulled? Because how do you forget the milk thing? He would sleep under his desk uh, or in the closet of his bedroom instead of on his bed. Mm -hmm. Uh, He, when they moved into a new office, I love that story where apparently he went from floor to floor and laid on the floor to figure out which floor he would best want to sleep in um, or sleep on. he uh, So Okamoto says, at one point, Yasuda wanted to live a healthy life. So he said, okay, I'm going to drink milk. So he'd always buy these little packs of milk. He'd be working, and then he'd reach down to his little milk packs and drink them. Around his desk, he had like 100 of these packs. So he'd grab one, shake it, and whenever he'd find one with milk in it, he'd drink it and put it back without even looking at it. And he never knew what the expiration dates were. So he started drinking milk to be healthy, but he was always complaining that he had diarrhea.
2: Um, uh, Yasuda's artwork, if you uh, look at old Street Fighter 2 artwork, uh, that kind of like softer kind of uh kind of uh how do i with more realistic like kind of less anime style like more realistic it's like a very unique aesthetic when you think of like how extreme you uh street fighter uh is in your mind how kind of anime influences his artwork is kind of it's a, it's a little bit it's it's how do i it's yeah it's softer than you think it's uh-huh. it's it's interesting um and you know, they, there's all these, like, kind of big names that were in the core group, but beneath them, uh, for Street Fighter II, they were emphasizing visuals heavily. Apparently, there was over 20 artists brought on just for uh, concept art and background mm-hmm. art and pixel there, art. And- were,
0: every character had their own person behind – people behind mm-hmm. each character, which was such a cool thing because they were um, – Trying to, you know, they, they were, like, it, it was a good kind of competition. Kind of reminds me of, of working in, in a sketch comedy group that's very supportive but has, like, a certain level of competition where it's, like, the product was really good, I feel like, because everybody was trying to bring their best sketches in. Well, the product, I think, was really good on Street Fighter 2 because every person wanted their character to be the best character in the game. So everybody was working really hard to bring in just these really interesting cool ideas and concepts for their characters that would differentiate them and
2: therefore you get this when you say pro- cool interesting concepts do you mean a bunch of weird racist drawings because when oh, you look at right. early Street Fighter 2 concept art <laughs> oh okay I'm talking about mechanics what if Jake? the Indian guy was a Ganesh looking motherfucker <laughs> and the uh and there was like a guy who was like he was like a black guy all right here's a, he was a black guy and I'm he's just over overwatch. crazy overwatch hmm?
0: I'm just saying the word overwatch okay <laughs>
2: Overwatch is like is, is just just eighteen layers like of of self actualization. <laughs> um,
0: another couple of characters: Akira Nishitani is the the uh, the game designer. Nori Takapu Funamizu uh, uh, was in production and design. Um, so they're working on. Um, they they finished working on Forgotten World worlds. So I'm gonna take I'm gonna take it a step back okay. for a second here, okay? Because we didn't really explain how they would end up even working on. Street Fighter Two again. Game didn't do well. Not it, you know the team who made the game left uh, Capcom. There's literally no reason for there to be a sequel for the game. But Okamoto, uh, the six button
2: version was cheap enough to make that it was considered a moderate success.
0: Oh, okay, cool. So it's slightly, it's it's at least enough there that they that Cap, Capcom wants to keep it, mm. keep it the franchise kind of around. Or at least make it into a franchise. So Okamoto says, we went to America to do some market research. We went to arcades and watched people. We'd stay for the whole day, uh, days and days, just watching. And we saw that side-scrolling games like Double Dragon were really popular at the time. So we said, okay, we should make one of those. So they go on to make Final Fight. And of course, we all know Final Fight. I'm the sorry. Beat-up. Are you
2: talking about Street Fighter '89?
0: Yes, I am talking about Street Fighter '89.
2: Oh, okay, because that's where I love such beloved Street Fighter characters like Cody and Guy and Andre. <laughs> yes, and I think Abigail.
0: Absolutely. And Poison. Is it? Yeah, I think maybe Abigail and Poison. So th- this is yeah, this is a beat 'em up. They wanted it to be called Street Fighter '89. Um but uh, they, they said no. Say Okamoto, was, oh, I feel like Okamoto just loves to defy authority mm-hmm. in a huge way. So they wanted him to call it Street Fighter 89, and they said no. Let's call it Final Fight. And then they wanted them to make a Final Fight 2 after the success of Final Fight 1. Mm-hmm. And, they sa- and then he said no. We're going to make Street Fighter 2. <laughs> just to, like, baffle and confuse them. I feel like he just loved to just fuck with people so hard, even in a business sense.
2: Well, this is uh- – you know, a lot of thought went into Street Fighter 2. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And what um, Street Fighter 2 did, which is something they ran into with Final Fight, is it solved an essential problem that uh, how do you keep people playing in an arcade game but uh, make them feel like they're incur- they're experiencing a fair difficulty curve? Yes. Because if you've ever actually sat down and played Final Fight, like not on a console or not on an emulator with infinite credits... The difficulty gets real cheap, real fast, yeah. and like the game is actively trying to just overwhelm you and kill you every three minutes to get a new quarter. Right. and
0: um, Then there's also the element of um, shorter games versus longer games mm-hmm. and, and needing to pay attention to... And, and, and the whole idea is that they're trying to make everybody happy, right? The game makers, the arcade uh, operators, mm-hmm. and the players, mm-hmm. right? So a short game... Good for developers and arcade operators, bad for players. But then they decided or thought about maybe what if we did bigger machines with longer games that are more expensive, then it's good for the devs and it's good for the players, but it's bad for the operators, exact right? Cost. Yeah, they have to deal with these giant machines. They have to, you know. Yeah, exactly. They're they're not they're not getting as much out of it. So then Okamoto says, "So we thought about it more and came to the conclusion that if two people played at once, operators would get twice the money. Players was would essentially split the cost so they could both play for longer." And uh, that's when. <laughs>
2: Do you ever – I'm sorry, flashing back to our kids. Do you ever remember when, like, they would put in one of those big, expensive machines, like, either with, like, a little, like, seat that, like, turned with you or Uh had, like, 3D glasses or something – or like just, just like the big expensive game, and you actually had enough money to play around on it, and it would be over in forty seconds, yes. and you would be He's just so bums. It's like a top tier first world disappointment of the nineteen nineties.
0: I mean, I experienced that kind of recently because I feel like a lot of arcades now have that. Mm. Um, uh, I was playing a, I think it was the Jurassic Park game where oh, you have to sit down in the yep. little bench, and it's interacted with the guns and stuff, and yeah, it's like way too much money, and it's like way not worth it. <laughs> Um, So, Okamoto also says, if we dictated the difficulty, players could always get frustrated, as you said, Mm -hmm. Jake. But if players were competing against each other, whether they won or lost would be up to them. So we were thinking that could take out the frustration. Exactly, right? Because it would also make you want to play again immediately because you're just like, I know I can beat this fucker, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to when you're playing a game against you know, against the AI, you would say that age-old phrase that I used to scream at my Sega Genesis all the time, especially when playing, I don't know, maybe the X-Men game or something like that. You cheated! <laughs> the boy screamed at the machine. <laughs> yeah. But you couldn't do that in, in a fighting game, you know, unless, I mean, they were finding some actual way to cheat, which maybe they did uh, if they were playing as Guile, which we'll get into, um, uh, or we can get into. But um, so, yeah, so so that's where that's where they kind of got the idea of, like, let's lean way more into this whole fighting game thing so we can make it uh, some mad, mad cash uh, in the arcade scene. And that's what I like so much about okamoto's like retelling of these stories like these people went into it they went into the fucking arcades they asked they talked to people they spent hours just observing and that's where you get uh the product that you get with street fighter 2 people who are like really working their ass off to to really like figure out how to crack the code and you you're you're at a time in in arcade uh popularity and everything where sky's the limit i mean you you know you could come out with any kind of crazy idea and it could be the next big hit it was like very much a gold rush I think at that time
2: Uh, it's a it's, it was like actually a weird dip in the market because 16-bit consoles had like been coming out and people were staying indoors
0: so it's like more the rush to, like how do we bring people back to the arcades
2: yeah although in, I, it's it's complicated it's very complicated because in Japan like there's still arcades that never went away that's just like after work you like relax with a beer and a cigarette and play some fucking arcade games
0: right So um, back to the the creation, the design. One of the other cool things, we were talking about everybody sort of having their own Mm. characters and everything that they would work on um, and getting really competitive in that sense. Uh, Nishitani has a really great quote also though about like going with the flow essentially. He said, they would come up with crazy ideas and bring them to me. Now I didn't want to tell them Uh, that won't fit in our game system, so you should do something else, or that idea is too crazy, you should come up with something less over the top. I didn't want to discourage their creativity, so I said, okay, cool, I'll make that happen, and come up with more crazy ideas, and I'll make those happen too. He kind of mentions, like, Dalsim as an example of, like, such a completely different character type that, you know, could reach across the screen, and um, you know, he was like, fuck it, I'll try. Like, that sounds like an insane idea, but I'll try to make it and make it balanced. And then
2: the Dalzim team would keep pushing how far he could stretch because they wanted his, their guy to have more of an advantage over the other fighters.
0: It's so funny that the devs had mains. Yeah. There were mains before the game even started. <laughs> like, they had their main that they were working on and just pour, pouring their heart into also, um, I love at this point is uh, we can t- should we tell the the birth of the combo, the story of where the combo originated.
2: I mean, it's it's I mean, the the it's actually kind of interesting uh, how the original game system was really based on kind of old style fighting games like Street Fighter One, like um, uh, Karateka, like. Uh, There's even if you if you play any pre Street Fighter II fighting game, uh, tongue of the fat man comes to mind. It's a real awful one, (laughs) borderline unplayable, stiff and terrible. Um, The idea was you were supposed to see what your opponent was doing and react to it. You were supposed to like be like, okay, he's going high, I go low and hit, and then like everything would reset, Mm -hmm. and you would be like, okay, round, you know, each. Each exchange was its own little battle of wills.
0: And then on top of that, you have very specific Im- inputs for the special moves, too mm-hmm. specific. And um, the, that specification was really, it made, you know, it discouraged people from trying to do the special moves, you mm-hmm. know, and, and it made the special moves more based almost on luck than execution. So they said, why don't we, instead of like, you know, so the-, the, uh, the, the It was
2: supposed to be based on like the frame by frame um, uh, sprite data. Uh-huh. That you were like the idea was as you execute the move as you execute the exact uh, 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 input, the on-screen thing would kind of you know as you quarter circle forward, you would also like go down, charge, and then release the Hadouken. Mm-hmm. But people weren't quite they couldn't quite get the hang of that. The you know nowadays frame perfect inputs all that is like core to what Street Fighter. Well, maybe not anymore. Street Fighter Five. All oh, right, bur- bur- please. Bur- 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 um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so that concept was going to get across. So they
0: open up the window. They make the timing more accessible to pull off the special move. And in doing so, that opened up a window to – some would describe it as a bug that allowed you to, say, go from a crouching kick into a fireball, um, and and you're inputting the fireball attack while the kick is happening so that it made it impossible for the other player to – uh deal with the second attack if they got hit by the first attack then the next attack was impossible to deflect Mm -hmm. and um they saw this and they just kept it in they they just they just went with it they said you know it essentially was was viewed as kind of a bug at first and they said um all right i think this is actually you know this is actually some good stuff so it's interesting how things like that sometimes just come out of uh, kind of mistakes almost or, or sort of making making certain design choices and having that affect other elements of the game and having that actually create an entire I mean combos are just completely ingrained in fighting games now I mean there oh, is
2: I mean if you play a hyper fighter there's a hundred hit combos you can execute now. yeah
0: and it's all about doing that kind of thing so it's just fascinating how it came out of this this just trial and error ex- experimentation um yeah, so uh
2: there were a few other um weird concepts that they kinda added in there and then uh some were left accidentally. <laughs> um the there was a uh concept that like characters were supposed to have like kind of weak points mm. uh that kind of related to their individual uh uh interactions with different characters. So the idea was that Ken and Ryu had had weak points during certain animation cycles against each other so that they were more susceptible to attacks. And uh, they took that out, uh, except they forgot that there's actually a, I forget what the actual, oh geez, I wrote it down. There's like a single moment in Ryu's animation where he can actually get double damage on him. Um, Blanca, if he's doing a rolling attack and is hit with a Hadouken, that was supposed to be his big weak point and they left it in there, so it does a crazy amount of damage. And like Ihanda's, uh forward lunge attack won't do anything. Different, like the um. Also, the, the all was these a, subsystems that you don't really think about in a simple game.
0: There's like a big guile glitch where, too, we can freak that. Which out. one? Uh, uh, yeah. There's like kind of multiple. So there's one where you can um do a weird move and you'll uh the character the character you're fighting is will just get attached to guile. There's another one. The worst one though for like competitive scenes is the one where um, Guile can like throw you from across the screen. Yeah.
2: Essentially I mean, Street Fighter 2 a throw did so much damage.
0: Yeah, yeah, Oh yeah. I was, I was, I remember being that being like, so just intrinsic in the, in my gameplay back in college when I was <laughs> sitting in my
2: <laughs> bedroom. I think there was another move where Guile could just straight up crash the game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I believe so. There's like a full crash Guile. Move. Uh, that um, was
2: Hidetoshi Ishizawa. Uh, And Programming Guile was one of, it was literally his first professional programming job. He almost (laughs) jumped
0: off a building. He almost (laughs) quit for good, but they kept him on, which is very sweet of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, okay, so we're getting, well, do you want. (laughs) You, you had me pull up this combo video. I don't know if you want to no, no, no. I guess we'll get into the arcade scene and stuff, yeah. right? So, um, Should we talk about the music for a second? Oh, yeah. Uh, let's my, one of my it. favorite immediate crossovers of an episode ever, because last week we did Kingdom Hearts. The music was done uh, for that, that series and for Street Fighter II by composer Yoko Shimomuro. Uh She's incredible. Yeah. Um, uh shio morris says before street fighter 2 came along the sound composition across all capcom titles had a heavier tone a cooler tone but i made it lighter and more upbeat and had more fun with the tracks there were people within the company saying okay this seems a little off from Capcom's style but mr nishitani said no this is fun we should do this nishitani wanted melodies not um uh, that were clear to understand um he wanted songs that uh, reflected the countries of origin Of the characters, Uh, and I think she did a fantastic job with it. She uh, she
2: this is so this is Chen Li's stage, and she's just like you know China music,
0: right, right, right. And you
2: just get basically. (laughs) It's
0: this is such an iconic sound, though.
2: Yeah, it's good. It sticks in your head. It's driving, and it especially by like '90s standards, it gives you a sense of place.
0: Sorry, I had to rehash it. Yeah.
2: And uh, on uh, Ken's theme is also super great.
0: Ken's theme, uh, very iconic.
2: Oh. Brash. American. Glory. Striving to be the best.
0: And so this is a ripoff from Mighty Wings.
2: Oh, yeah. This is an absolute ripoff from a uh, song here's, from the Top Gun soundtrack. Here's
0: Mighty Wings from Top Gun.
2: Yep. That is egregious. That is egregious. She claims she has been confronted with this in the past, and she claims that if she did do it, it was an accident because she was just trying to think of driving melodies. Nothing intentional happened.
0: Um, of course, some things are just going to kind of seep in from mm-hmm. from outside. But that 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 soundtrack. There were so many iconic um, songs from that soundtrack. Plus, I there mean,
2: was that song in Mega Man Two that stole from Journey. Like it's just, yeah, t- go it go. happens. It happens.
0: You know. So, anyways, um, uh, love the music of Street Fighter. Uh, uh, Street Fighter Two, especially. Uh, we can talk about the name changes a little bit. Really, just really briefly. I think everyone knows the story about in Bison, uh, Mike Tyson, and my, and my, and uh, Balrog, Balrog. Um, uh, of course, the the big uh, muscly uh, black boxer that is clearly uh, modeled after Mike Tyson. Um, well, M. Bison used to be his name, and America got really worried about getting sued, especially because of Mike Tyson's punch out being out um, on NES. They were really worried about getting into some kind of trouble. So,
2: I mean, you if you sell the rights your the rights to your you know image to a video game, it's implied that another game company can't just make a game with your image
0: in it right and and uh they had already done completed all the work on it Mm. there was very little they could do to fix that problem they couldn't just put a new name in yeah they had to just switch it out because they are all the programming was done essentially so they were able to switch it with um balrog was and bison and bison was balrog but they switched the names originally they were looking at vega being the M. Bison uh, uh, switch, and, yep. and then Balrog, or who we know as Balrog would have but been Vega. But
2: they thought Vega sounded more Spanish. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, I, I think Vega actually would have been a better name for Balrog. Anyways, um, Zangief was originally named Vodka.
2: <laughs> Every Russian character's name was Vodka. There <laughs> is actual there is an actual Russian boxer who, like, uh, uh, not sorry, a Russian wrestler who I think did uh, like was appeared in like Japanese pro wrestling cir- uh, circles. Whose last name was Zangief, so it like uh, I'm always I'm I want to I always it's Zangief, Zongief. Zangief, Zangief. Mm-hmm. Uh, not vodka McBear Russell's or whatever they thought it would be.
0: <laughs> Akuma was originally Goki, um, and it was changed to Akuma. Uh, U.S. exec just looked up what uh, the word devil was in Japanese. Like yeah, it, was it sounds Akuma. good. Um, so anyways, uh, the game hits the arcades. They, they first tested out, what was it called? Golf City, I think, or something like that. It was in Florida. Um, they, they put, they put the arcade into test and Okamoto at first is getting nervous because people aren't really understanding the whole versus aspect of the game. I mean, in
2: Japan, in the, uh, Japanese, uh, release, it was just a straight up popular action game. Mm -hmm. The, the entire subculture of like competitive arcade, like battling really didn't take hold. Not
0: until, I guess, this magazine called Gamist mm. is is attributed uh, for, for making battle play. The hot new thing <laughs> is what they called it in the magazine. And then it starts to blow up. Um Uh, they, they thought they were, they were lucky, uh, they thought if the game pulled in a thousand dollars, um, after its first week of testing and they come back, like that's like going to be amazing, right? At first they were predicting, you know, 800, which again would have been really good. It comes back, it makes $1,300 in its first week of testing and, and people are so backed up on it that they immediately ask, can we get another machine in? Because we can get more people playing this game at all times. The game fucking explodes the game is just this incredible success um uh people are just coming out in droves to play this game in in america and in japan it's just doing incredibly well and reaching out all over the world um they they uh they they can't believe it uh t- t- soon to follow after that we get a uh, championship edition which came out in 1992 um and uh it it allowed for mirror matches it allowed you to play two characters uh that are the same against each other and as well as being able to play as the four bosses i remember that being a big deal you know like i remember how big of a deal that was like holy shit you could play as all of them (laughs) like i remember that was huge the roster of course um chun li blanca ryu ken e honda guile dalsim zangief balrog vega sagat and bison um just such an, an, an a memorable uh uh cast of fighters that um i feel like have well pretty much yeah all withstood the test of time you know and um then uh, th- then it just becomes a battle of like how fast do we speed it up?
2: Well, I'm this okay. So these cabinets are raking in money. They're in high demand. Um, uh, and so it's kind of used as a cudgel uh, in the polygon article. They talk about how like the um, arcade uh, not the operators, but the distributors would hold, would withhold street fighter cabinets until the operators the arcade owners would pay up on their debts
0: and they fucking would pay yeah. up on their debts to get these cabinets it was insane so uh, i love the story though of the of the um of the, of the Street Fighter II uh, hyper-fighting, how oh. it came from these uh, t- Taiwanese hacked ROMs. Mm-hmm. That was essentially what happened. It was these Taiwanese hacked ROMs where they essentially just let the characters go apeshit. Um,
2: Waves of Hadoukens fireball- flying in every direction. Fireballs
0: in the air, all this <laughs> kind of nonsense. And um, there was a guy, Joe Morchi. You, you
2: have to look up like actual footage of Street Fighter Rainbow Edition. It is Yes, bonkers. that's what it's called. It's
0: called Street Fighter Rainbow Edition. It's completely insane. I don't think it was actually Joe Morch. It was a different guy. It was um got another it? American guy, probably. He he goes out and he goes to investigate and he plays the Rainbow Edition because for, he wants for to shut down. Hours. He wants mm-hmm. to shut.
2: You know, he's got to know what they're up against because it's piracy. It's lost sales. If uh, and in this or in having an arcade hit is still a rare things so like everyone's making sure they cash in while they can
0: so james goddard plays plays the game you're right it was james goddard plays the game for hours um and totally walks away from being like this is complete garbage it's completely unbalanced we got nothing
2: to worry it's about it's totally
0: it's total bullshit and then he's he writes a memo saying as much to the japanese office and then before he sends the memo out he goes and plays a single game of straight up street fighter 2 um, against a buddy of his and he's just like holy shit I feel like I'm playing underwater I yeah. feel like this is so slow and if you go back it, it feels like
2: it, that original like, World Warrior Street Fighter 2 is, is slow yeah. and
0: and he's just like what the fuck is this I can't play this and then he and then he realized like, I need to revise that memo and say hey we need to not do all this banana shit that Rainbow Edition's doing but we need to speed <laughs> this game up we, it, it, please we have to speed this game up they were very worried about doing that there was a lot of testing that they did on well the original
2: the original so the original Capcom team took very great pride in that all this careful work and consideration they have put into this game, including um is it Shimamura? Who is like uh sh- yeah, who is who is the big guy? There's too many Japanese games, uh Japanese game creators. I getting flirt. Anyway, they're like, no, we worked our asses off. We worked out the timing, we like worked out the flow of this game. This is our baby, this is our artwork, and you're just fucking you can't just fuck with it like that. Uh like, what are you talking about? You're just some random American guy. And <laughs> James talks about how he was a bit of a, 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 a raging asshole at the time and refused to back down. And uh, he was like, no, you got to speed this up by 30%. Like, get this. Like, get it out. And it turned to, to the definitive version of the game.
0: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, and they sped it up. Um. Originally, they wanted to speed it up by, like, five percent yeah and then they ended up speeding it up by 15 percent making some other minor tweaks and coming out with super street fighter 2 hyper fighting Um, and that is that is such a big deal people again like kind of rejuvenated um uh love love for for the game uh they also now are gonna port it out to console and oh boy i remember this time period this is when this was like so much of my growing up i have such memories of mortal kombat and street fighter competing against each other it was like almost as big as like nes versus sega genesis i mean
2: it was nes versus, well um. yes
0: it was yes in a lot of ways so because at first they ported to snes um, because
2: Capcom and and uh, Capcom was basically one of the first third party Nintendo uh, developers, mm-hmm. and their relationship with that company was super solid.
0: But then they make a deal with Sega. And there's actually a picture, I think it's Ryu and um, Mega Man shaking hands. they kind of had this whole uh, coming together situation. Uh, Nintendo very unhappy about that. And now we also have uh, Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat getting released at a very similar date. Originally, Street Fighter was supposed to beat... Mortal Kombat to the stands, I believe they outsourced the port to a company that kind of didn't do a great job, so they were going to have to kind of eat the fact that they weren't going to be able to release it ahead of Mortal Kombat in order to release it in a, in a, in a good way, um, so uh, I, there's a commercial spot, totally look this up, it's hilarious of um, Blanca's hand coming out of the Street Fighter uh, game case and reaching over in a video game store and reaching over to Mortal Kombat and grabbing the case and, and just crumpling it up into a tiny little ball.
2: This was during the blast processing era of advertisement and Sega and Nintendo were going at it at a, at a level of like direct call-out that I don't even think exists has not existed since.
0: Yeah, yeah. Rob Holmes calls Joe Morchie's responsible for it. He's like the ad sales guy or whatever. He gets a call from Rob Holmes to the claim who just straight up says you're such an asshole. Months later, there's a Street Fighter comic book that comes out. um, And apparently in retaliation, they bought out every single piece of ad space on that Street Fighter comic book to advertise for Mortal Kombat. (laughs) Uh, so it's literally just filled to the brim with Mortal Kombat advertisements like they were after each that other. That
2: Malibu comic Street Fighter thing is so terrible that Capcom actually forced them to stop publishing it after three <laughs> issues. It is atrocious.
0: Then they come out with Super Street Fighter 2, the new challengers, and introduce four new characters that I think a lot of people remember. Cammy. Faye Long, uh, which is essentially the Bruce Lee sort of DJ. I think think
2: they got sued by the Bruce Lee. I think they did
0: DJ, the uh, Jamaican uh, uh, kickboxer, and T Hawk, um, the Native American in uh, the jean vest. In the jean (laughs) vest. So originally, apparently, he was a lot more sort of racist looking, and then they they, uh, which
2: is like whoa, whoa, whoa. This is racist for Street Fighter. That is a sentence.
0: That's rough. So. Uh, and then after that Street Fighter Two Turbo is in nineteen ninety four. It's like years of Street Fighter releases. I remember this too. Mm-hmm. It's just like years of re releases of this game. That's how fucking huge this game was. They just kept putting out like new barely different versions mm-hmm. of them. Street Fighter Two Turbo I mean, and
2: Sega and Nintendo are pumping out ads each pump each like, you know, cause uh Super, uh, Super Nintendo. Like we have Street Fighter, and I'll be the version on Super Nintendo is a little bit more arcade accurate. If you, uh, just <laughs> and uh, but the Sega version of Mortal Kombat had the blood and uh, the video game like censorship crisis that happened over like Night Trap and Mortal Kombat was because Nintendo was so pissed off that they actually lobbied Congress to start like poking around with this shit. Uh,
0: so that brings us to. Kind of getting near the end of um, the Street Fighter 2 situation. Turbo, you can adjust the play speed. Mm -hmm. It's also the first game. I did not realize this. This is the first game to have metered super combos. Oh, yeah, yeah. And also air juggles and also throw softening, which is essentially a counter throw. You, if you if you hit throw <laughs> and counter to them trying to throw you, it would take a lot less damage and you'd land on your feet. Um, so I didn't realize that was actually in the Street Fighter 2 days. I thought that meters and all that stuff came after this <laughs> point. So, um you also have uh, you also have the ability to unlock Akuma. I love that the way to unlock him is ridiculous. You have to succeed in defeating all twelve opponents without losing, and you have to get three perfects. In that, in that process as well, which sounds real tough to do. That would unlock a fight against Akuma. He would uh, enter the stage and grab Bison and knock him out with the uh, Shun Goku and uh, Satsu technique and challenge the player for an alternate final boss. You could also enter a code that would, uh, at the player select screen, to play as him. He was banned from all tournaments because <laughs> um, he was like super, super, uh, super good to mm-hmm. play as. Um, and then, you know what? I, I think that I, I, I think that's it, Jake. I think that's it for, for part one of, of our series. Do you have anything you want to say to wrap up Street Fighter 2? No, this
2: has been an overwhelming giant task and I've been intimidated the entire time. (laughs) I know for a fact we didn't do a good enough job and I, please don't pants me. You're going to see me. Oh, can Uh, we please get, can we
0: please, I love this, I love this thing.
2: So this was, like, uh, just 90s game culture, like, to the T. You know, there was, uh, we'll probably talk about the tie-in movie next time, because we ran out of time. Uh, There was cartoons, uh, comics, toys, and all this. And Street Fighter culture was just so dominant, and people were just aching for any advantage that they could get, that uh, I found a rip of a uh, VHS, like, training tape. From the '90s, and it is the m- most '90s thing in the world. Uh, this is this is. Hold on. What's the title? Mastering.
0: Oh, it's um mastering great combinations and strategies. And
2: it's forty minutes of just like bad '90s graphics and just very stale uh, combo tutorials. Just here, click this. This is the Blanca Fierce Strong combo. Jump
1: at your opponent with a late fierce, then with your joystick in neutral
2: press the strong punch button then move your joystick down and, and there's diagrams of the game. Super Nintendo so literally it was like this 40 year old man being like special <laughs> on the Sega oh Genesis. yeah our host You've gotten pretty good he's wearing a but sweatshirt around his players, waist has a backwards good, baseball cap cut. and he's standing on the cap off the Capcom
0: Capcom side <laughs> you don't have learning the moves on your own in the arcades or you could spend time you don't I love have this music yeah off the print page you decided to check out the strategy video instead because we're not just going to show you combinations and strategy this is the, the most 90s Super guy R&S i've and ever and seen as Genesis systems we're going to find out ways to make you think like a winner by talking with experts on street fighter souls oh yeah hold on wait this guy tomo hero
2: Tomohiro, Ohiro
0: number one ranked Street player in the US, and he's created most of the now, and strategies on this tape, and we're going to meet them. Let's go. As you can see, exact-
2: Tomohiro was one of the first celebrity Street Fighter champions. Oh, wow. He was like picked up in magazines and they made this video with him. Uh he was undisputed the like top champion in all the big Street Fighter tournaments that they'd held, especially in that kind of California scene. Uh, where, you know, that's where the game was first tested and that's where, like, the fighting game uh, culture kind of birthed from. And he dropped off the face <laughs> of the earth after winning a big tournament. <laughs> um, there's, like, a cute little human interest story if you really want to, like, find out about it. But basically, he grew old and, like, didn't have time to be like this. Because right. even if even if uh, games media was, like, burgeoning at the time, you couldn't live off of being a, a pro Street Fighter guy. And, just yet,
0: and I want to talk more about the the tournament scene. I want to talk um, about uh, Street Fighter Alpha, Street Fighter Three, Four, and Five. Uh, maybe I want to talk about
2: Moment Thirty Seven.
0: Maybe Moment Thirty Seven is going to come up. I want to talk about Dan. I want to <laughs> talk about all sorts of crazy shit next week as we continue our exploration of Street Fighter. This has been so much fun to do. I can't wait to just dig back into the research on this. I. I immediate like pr- pretty much after a uh, day one I hit Jacob and said this has to at least be a two-parter um, and so yeah we're gonna keep it going thank you so much for joining us uh, we hope we've done at least the first two entrants into the franchise justice um, the Street Fighter 1 Street Fighter 2 again please check out that Polygon article the oral history of Street Fighter 2 it is wonderful a wonderful read and really it was such a huge help to me in doing the research for this episode um, you can follow me on Twitch Hold Holdenader's check out our Patreon it's patreon.com forward slash whizbrew um, for all that good bonus content and everything um, and to vote on polls to do future episodes hell even just tell us what episode we're going to do in the future Jake
2: Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at best Jake Young and uh, if you go to we uh if please actually I'm, I'm just gonna beg uh we just released a video for uh where the me and tristan cooper are playing yakuza 6 and awesome. it is our lowest rated video no. in the history of the channel so if like i don't know a thousand of you can just come on over and give it a like <laughs> i'd appreciate it
0: <laughs> fantastic and we will uh see you next week take care
2: the legends are true overwhelming power, the sauce
0: of destiny yes